With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and... Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Cynical Podcast. It's October 18th, which means it's officially No Beard Day. Yes, there really is a day to mark just about every goddamn thing in the universe, but whether your face is clean-shaven or not, this is going to be a heck of a smooth show with some razor-sharp updates on China's business sphere. Nandini, I will not forgive you for writing this. We'll be hearing how things may have gotten pretty hairy for China-based European businesses amid the regional power shortages. You know who's having a bad hair day is Microsoft, uh, that is, after the U.S. tech Goliath announced it is shutting down LinkedIn in the world's second largest economy, plus the latest on the U.N. Biodiversity Conference, which was held in Yunnan province. Some of those species are holding on by a razor's edge. But first, let's talk about Evergrande, which, by the looks of things, may just be tempted to rename itself Nevergrande. As we said on last week's show, concerns have been growing about contagion from the fallout from this scandal-plagued developer, spilling over into other property firms. In some pretty big news, the Chinese central bank has weighed in on the matter. As Bloomberg reports, the People's Bank of China broke its silence on Evergrande's cash crunch, saying risks to the financial system stemming from the developer's struggles are controllable and unlikely to spread. On Friday, the head of the central bank's financial marketing department said that Evergrande has failed to sensibly run its business and adapt to the evolving market, adding that the developer had instead sought to blindly grow its business. Also making the headlines is the surge in the price of lithium for use in electric car batteries. Over the past 12 months, the price has more than quadrupled in China, reaching a record high after bouncing back from last year's near-historic low. Prices for battery-grade lithium carbonate jumped 360% yearly to almost 185,000 yuan per ton last week, surpassing the record of 170,000 yuan per ton it set in late September. Previously, the highest price for the metal was just under 168,000 yuan per ton, a record set back in 2017. 
Sales of new energy vehicles, NEVs, also set a new record in September, with nearly 360,000 vehicles being shipped, even as overall auto sales declined. China's NEV sales surged 190% year-on-year in the first nine months of 2021. In other big news, European companies in China have urged local governments to provide clear, transparent, and predictable power plans. The hope is to avoid production and supply chain disruption amid ongoing regional electricity shortages that some predict could continue until next March. Jörg Wittke, president of the European Chamber in China and the Chamber's regional chairs, made the appeal in a press conference, saying they understand the complex challenges the Chinese government is facing to tackle these severe power shortages since September. Wittke noted that he did not see discrimination, per se, in terms of power cuts among foreign companies and Chinese state-owned enterprises. However, he said local governments have not been able to provide European member companies clarity on the schedule of power cuts, which often resulted in abrupt suspension of operations that would risk production safety and supply chains. As Wittke put it, we need far better communication from the government in order to help our companies cope. He added, we don't ask for privileges, we just ask for clarity. Speaking of the power crunch, last week China took a key step in its long-running efforts to revamp the electricity pricing regime in a bid to help resolve its energy woes. The country's top economic planning body, the National Development and Reform Commission, said it will allow coal-fired power plants to price electricity based on market rates while lifting a government-set pricing system. While China's coal prices are set by the market, power prices have largely remained under state control. However, this reform means that power prices can be set by the market and also pushes all industrial and commercial users to buy power on the market. The move is expected to encourage loss-making generators to increase output. The past week also saw things get a bit heated between Beijing and Washington over Taiwan. On Friday, a spokesperson for China's defense ministry urged the U.S. to stop any form of official exchange or military contact with Taiwan. The spokesman added that the Chinese People's Liberation Army is on high alert and maintains combat readiness against external interference and separatist acts. The remarks come after the U.S. Department of Defense released a statement saying that the Pentagon will help Taiwan maintain its defensive capabilities. The United Nations Biodiversity Conference in Yunnan province came to a close on Friday. One of the big outcomes of the summit is the adoption of the Kunming Declaration. Under the declaration, more than 100 nations have pledged to commit to ensuring the development, adoption, and implementation of an effective post-2020 action plan for setting protection goals for biodiversity globally over the next decade. Numerous countries noted their plans for funding toward the cause. Japan has promised to add $17 million to its Japan Biodiversity Fund. The European Union agreed to double external funding for biodiversity. France's President Emmanuel Macron pledged to use 30% of climate funds for biodiversity, while the UK announced that a significant part of its increased climate funding will be used for biodiversity. 
Microsoft's LinkedIn will shut down the Chinese version of its career networking site later this year. The company says it had made the decision due to the significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements in China. Since it entered China roughly seven years ago, the website has had to navigate all sorts of state censorship guidelines. At present, LinkedIn has more than 50 million users on the Chinese mainland. Let's welcome back Nandini Venkata, who is, of course, the podcast producer at Caixi Global, and more importantly, the co-producer of this show. Great to see you again, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. It's great to be here. So what's in the news this week? Well, for this week's show, I want to talk about the impacts of the regulatory campaign on the after-school study sector. Now, I know a lot of reports on the topic have focused on what this means for the businesses in the area, or of course, what it means for those working for these companies, um, with all these people losing their jobs. But today I want to look at the other side of the coin, namely what it means for parents. Definitely an important angle. Uh, but before we get to that, could you give us a quick overview or a recap of the, the firestorm that has engulfed the after-school education sector? Yeah, sure. So back in late July this year, the State Council, um, which is, of course, China's cabinet, issued new rules. And these new rules call for various sweeping changes to the after-school tutoring industry. In particular... Um, companies in the area which teach school curriculum subjects will have to register as non-profit entities. And the deadline for registering as a non-profit has been set at the end of this year. Okay, so let's look at the parents' side of the story. What, what's going on there? Yeah, so Saishan has learned from industry insiders that before China launched its regulatory campaign on the after-school tutoring sector, a pretty significant number of extracurricular training operations actually coaxed parents into pre-ordering long-term courses with low prices. So Caixin learned from the China Association for Non-Government Education that some institutions used lower prices to promote the pre-sales of classes. And it seems like a lot of these parents purchased courses that took about one to three years to finish. In fact, one parent in Beijing told um, Caixin that in June, a salesperson from a US-listed business called One Smart International Education Group was promoting discounted course packages for 15 months at 50,000 yuan. So that's about 7,800 US dollars. And the same company was also offering packages for 30 months at 80,000 yuan, which is a bit more than 12,000 US dollars. So this is a lot of money we're talking about here. Okay, but what is odd or out of the ordinary about these companies offering prepaid discounts? I mean, isn't that a strategy anyone would land on? I mean, more operating cash up front for the tutoring company and the customer also gets a big discount, right? Yeah, so it's actually pretty peculiar because tutoring companies are actually banned from charging these types of prepayments for periods longer than three months. But according to Caixin's reporting, it seems that staff members 
at such institutions told parents that the contracts actually complies with rules. And according to industry insiders, tutoring institutions promoted pre-sales with the aim of improving their cash flow. However, the lowered prices would actually still result in business losses. So I guess the big question is, where does this leave these parents who have already prepaid, uh, only to see these companies get walloped by the new regulations? Do you see them possibly getting their money back? Yeah, obviously, the new rules have made things a lot more complicated, because as we acknowledged earlier on, a lot of these um, tutoring companies have been either forced to abruptly shut, or some of them have even gone bankrupt. In fact, just last week, one smart international education group, that company I was talking about earlier on in the show, well, they actually suspended their operations. And all of this has left a number of parents in a really tricky situation. According to some industry insiders, such parents have essentially realized that they are trapped with no classes to be taught. And quite painfully, it looks like no tuition to be refunded. You know, they're having serious concerns about whether or not they will ever get their money back. So it really does seem like quite a mess. Um, you know, it's, it seems that tutoring shutdowns have basically left parents holding the bag. Now, I should add that this issue has also complicated the process for after-school tutoring companies to register as non-profit entities by the end of the year under government rules. But it is important to note that the education ministry has said that um, these types of companies must stop enrolling new students and collecting tuition fees. Well, thanks, Nandini, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, Kaiser. Speak to you soon. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, then download our app or head online to caixinglobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.